This is an example of speech. Welcome back to Tell Me What to Think, a free-from-oversight and free-of-charge, thoughtfully improvised, expletive-deleted, details-expanded, whistle-blow-hard, evergreen, topical heatwave of an ongoing conversation, turned podcast, in which we discuss politics, global affairs, current events, and anything else that bubbles up from the unmoderated comment section in our brains. We urge you to join us and tell us what you think. To listen to the archives, go to stoneduckmedia.com or tellmewhattothink.com. You can contact us at tmwttpod at gmail.com. I'm producer Pete. You can contact me on Twitter at Bloated Nemesis. And your host is Charles Minnick, who is on Twitter at Green underscore Weird, which is spelled W-Y-R-D. This episode, Charles speaks with candidate for Congressional Office from California's 4th District, Rob Lawton. Prepare to get righteous and reactionary this is tell me what to think. Those who benefit never ask why. I'm sorry, so you want me to say my name and introduce myself and say where I'm running for office? You got it. Hi, my name is Robert Lawton. I am running for Congress in California's beautiful 4th Congressional District, where the current incumbent is a Republican named Tom McClintock, who some of you may know from the uh, the um, judiciary hearings and the impeachment, he was the guy who asked the expert witnesses if they voted for Trump. Yeah, remember that? Did you see that? No, I didn't see that, but it doesn't really surprise me. Very little does anymore, it seems. Does he still live in Elk Grove? <clears throat> he does. That's one of the, uh, the, the common sort of knocks against Tom is that he has never lived here. He's been our representative since 2009, 20, 2009 uh, and he has never resided in this district, uh, although we have paid his salary uh, to the tune of about $2 million, uh, and he's uh, supposed to re- represent our interests in Washington, but doesn't live here. Yeah, he's a, pretty much a lifelong elected official, but his support in the Fourth Congressional District there has been pretty solid, except for 2018. It's mostly above 60 percent. Yeah, that's that's mostly correct. Uh, a lot of people sort of have a sort of a um, misinterpretation of the of the facts in that regard, particularly about. Um, first of all, you're right. It's a very red district, very conservative. I think it's the most conservative district in California, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, just to your point, though, about him not really having a, a close race. His first race in 2008 was very close. Uh, the challenger, who's a Democrat, uh, I believe, w- uh, got within about a percent of him. Um, and in 2018, the challenger, his opponent was a woman, a Democrat named Je- Jessica Morse, who I, I'm, I don't care. I don't mind saying it. I can't stand her. I think she was horrible. And um, she got within a, almost 9% of him, eight, 8 and change. So not that close. 
And you ran in that I did. too. Yeah. Um, well, uh, what lessons are you taking into this campaign? Sure. So, um, briefly, the reason I got into that campaign was I came in about 90 days before the primary election in 2018 um, because what I saw happening was the Jessica Morris, that, that person who eventually faced against him in the, uh, in the general, um, was um, a, an endorsed candidate by the party and so on. I just thought she was going to lose. I thought she was a very weak candidate. Um, so that's why I came into the race. But, um, sorry. Let me try to turn this off. I apologize. But um, what some takeaways from that experience? Many. Um, uh, so a couple, one of the things that really surprised me then and continues to surprise me now, although I... Um, uh, I'm, uh, you know, less surprised because I'm accustomed to it from having had the experience last time. Was I expected? I mean, is it okay to use foul language here? I'll try to be careful, but okay. So um, I was I was surprised when I ran in 2018 at the amount of um, the amount of attacks that I got. Um, so just to be clear, not the amount of t- attacks I got. I expected to be attacked. What surprised me tremendously was, were this, was the source of the attacks. Um, all of the attacks that I received in 2018 and again today uh, in this election have come from... Take a guess where they've come from. Uh, people who are trying to call themselves Democratic front You know, you can just stop at Democrats. Like, so, and they're, they're, they, they are free to call themselves Democrats, but, but Democrats, yeah. The Democrats, the establishment Democrats, the Demo- you know the the sort of Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, the, just de- just Democrats. I expected to get a bunch of shit from Trump fans and Republicans and Libertarians, and I got none of it. I got none of it. They've been great. Uh, the most crap that I've gotten from anybody has always been from Democrats, and their view essentially is. You shouldn't be in the race. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've heard get out of the race. And I'm not just talking about it from civilians. I'm talking about from elected Democratic Party officials have told me, don't run, get out of the race, you're a spoiler, just get behind the endorsed candidate, that kind of shit. And so that... that oh, and that's why you're running as an... In- that's why you're running as an independent that's, now, right? That's a large part of the reason. It's more... It's... That's sort. Of, that's sort of a symptom of my problem with the Democratic Party, in that um, I just I just don't feel out, allied with the Democratic Party. As AOC said recently, and I I couldn't agree more. I think of the Democratic establishment essentially as the they're centrists. I don't really see them as the left, frankly. Um, uh, yeah. So so that's that's one of the primary reasons. In addition to which, I just don't like the idea of being beholden to a particular. Uh, party and you know ideology instead of thing. Uh, for example, I've heard from people in this race who have reached out to me privately, and they've also they have been their party officials, and they say, "I support you privately a hundred percent, but I cannot publicly support you because we actually have signed paperwork that says that we cannot endorse or you know." not even formally endorse, informally endorse 
um, anyone who is not the Democratic uh, endorsed Democratic endorsed candidate. Stuff like that. I just think it sucks. Wow, that seems all about right. I mean, it's just like it's just it just sucks. I mean, I don't this. I'm, I imagine this is not news to you. So yeah, the DNC and all. It's like it's yeah. It's part of the reason I got into politics was I um, I was so angry um, at what happened in 2016, wherein, as I saw it, the DNC you know put their elbow on the scale to propel through a real lousy candidate who lost to a uh, reality show host steak salesman. And, um, and, and the reason I think that that happened was because of the malfeasance. I know this sounds a little, you know, uh, tinfoil hat kind of thing, but, um, but, uh, but I just think it was just, uh, I just th- thought it was fucked. So I was like, I was really uh, angry about it um, and depressed and, the, and so on when Trump got elected. Uh, and I was angry about it, too, while it was happening, you know, when Bernie was getting railroaded in the primaries, I saw it. Anyway, um, so after sort of licking my wounds for a while and, and realizing, you know, I had spent a lot of time on Facebook and stuff like that, I was like, that didn't do anything except make me really angry and and lose friends and stuff like that. So what can I really do about it? And um, that's essentially why I decided to just throw my hat in the ring as the saying goes get in the race okay um, this uh, well your fourth congressional district is sprawling I gotta say from what the northeast uh, corner of Sacramento to the Nevada border all the way down to the Sierra National Forest. yeah yeah even a little further all the way down to like a piece of Fresno and I'm I'm uh, I'm about 45 minutes from the south gate uh, to Yosemite National Park and it it's it includes Yosemite, um, piece of um, yeah, all, everything you said. So yes, it's huge. Um, so obviously, the Green New Deal. You're a huge proponent of it, but what exactly does it mean for California's forest? Uh, you mean like obviously we're talking more remediation than industrial replacement. You mean how would it affect if if it was enacted? How would it affect the Fourth District, or how do the voters yeah, feel like about it? if? Like, how would the money be spent in the in the fourth if it were uh, approved as it's envisioned now? I mean, you know, it's uh, it would just dramatically change everything from A to Z. Uh, let's let's just back up a second, though. I mean, that's like a dream scenario in, in my view. Um, first things first, right? So the the current incumbent McClintock doesn't even believe in climate science. Okay, let's start with that. Um, and um, where I'm sitting right now, uh, we're supposed to get um, about seven inches of rain in January, um, and we've gotten we're going to end up getting less than one inch of rain. And when I first moved here, it was the beginning of the drought, so so like it it has devastated us. It's only going to get worse. All the science bears it out. The last decade was the hottest decade in recorded history, and our current incumbent believes it's a hoax, right? Um, so so that's a big problem. Uh, we need to get rid of him. It bears mentioning that my primary opponent, essentially, is, um, is uh, a, this Democrat named Bryn Kennedy, and she does not support the Green New Deal. 
And I'm like, how do you not? I mean, I get it because, you know, Nancy Pelosi, for example, who referred dismissively to the Green New Deal as the Green Dream or whatever, like that enrages me. I mean, that's insanity. Insanity is the wrong word. It's infuriating. Um, yeah. And like, and these are the Democrats. These are supposed to be, you know, so, so. That's really the bigger issue. As far as I'm concerned, the the details aside, it would just radically transform this district in particular and the world in general, really. And it's it's absolutely critically important. I mean, what I don't understand is how can somebody not support the Green New Deal? Like my opponent, Bryn Kennedy, doesn't support it. Bizarre. Do you know how she feels about climate change in general? I was trying to look through her page, but wasn't. Uh... It's you're going to have a hard time finding out where she how she feels about anything in general. She has she's has um, you know a couple of vague sort of uh, policy views, um, and none of them have anything to do with uh, climate change, as I recall. And uh, no, so the short answer is no. But my guess is um, she sort of takes the centrist. Uh, let's look at it this way. How does she feel about health care? I believe and will fight for Medicare for all. She doesn't agree. She thinks Obamacare, you know, actually talks about access and stuff like that. So that's kind of where she... Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so... It's just so lazy and, and it really... It offends me because it's, it doesn't... It, none of this stuff affects her, you know. I mean, she's got... She's a multimillionaire... So what does she care if people have health care, you know? And uh, and that really makes me angry. Um, all right. Well, obviously it's very easy for you to differentiate yourself from Tom McClintock, but uh, is anyone else uh, <laughs> striving for anything close to the left out there? To the left, did you say? Not at all. Yeah, no. no. So yeah, The left part. Like, it doesn't not sound at like all. No. So the do. landscape is essentially this... Um, there are two or three other Republicans running. And I think what most people don't know, frankly, uh, and understandably, is uh, it's an open primary and it's a jungle primary here in California. It's top two, basically. So um, how it works, for those that don't understand it, is there's a primary election and a general election, just like everywhere else. But uh, in California... The primary is an open primary, meaning it's everybody. It's it's everybody's in there. It, Democrats, Republicans, Green, whatever it makes no difference, and party preference makes no difference to, for the voters either. So, a vote a Democrat can vote for a Republican, blah blah blah. So it doesn't make a difference. Party preference doesn't matter. A B top two gets vote getters move on to the general election, meaning whoever gets the most votes in the primary and whoever gets the second most votes regardless of party, goes on to face each other in the general. And it could be, hasn't been, but it could certainly be two Republicans, two Democrats, and so on. Um, So there are currently uh, the incumbent, Tom McClintock. I don't think there's any question that he's going to come in first in the primary. Um, So he's going to be in the general. The only question is who's going to be facing him in the general. And it really... It, frankly, it really boils down to me versus Bryn Kennedy, the Democrat. Um, and as you said, I'm an independent. They actually call it something different out here. The te- technically, the it's n- no party preference, NPP. 
Um, and uh, there are a couple other Republicans running, but they're probably going to take a few votes away from Tom, if anything. So it's it's kind of between me and Bryn Kennedy for second place. Right. So do you even think he's going to – he's obviously going to get more than 50 percent, but – do you think she's going to get more than, what, the 20% that Jessica Morse got in the 2018 primary? Um, it's, I don't know. It's, tr- it's difficult to answer, but it's, it's certainly a less crowded field. There was a, another uh, viable candidate um, who was a Democrat uh, in the primary last time. There were a couple. You could argue. You could argue that there were a couple. I think there was really one in particular who was a very viable candidate. Um and who also raised and spent a lot of money in the primary, and she, uh, and her name is is uh, Regina Bateson, and she, um, she. So it was there. It was a much more crowded field, um, arguably. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't know the answer to that. But the bottom line is, it's between me and her for second place in the primary. Um, okay, well, uh, what does campaigning look like in such a sprawling district? You know, it's interesting. So, and actually, just to, to just sort of put a button on that last point, I think um, it bears mentioning, you know, the money issue. Um, and to the question you just asked, though, I should tell you, the, I got into this race very late. Um, there was a progressive candidate in the race, and he dropped out in late September. Um or in September, I don't remember. So uh, I got a phone call and, you know, and so on, and I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get in or not. So I've only been in the race since uh, basically October 1st. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Playing yeah, country. and the primary, uh, the, the mail ballots actually go out a week from tomorrow, which is, I don't know when this is going to air, but February 3rd, the, the mail ballots get sent out. So um, And the primary election is on March 3rd. Um, so what's my point? Yeah, so that's my point. And regarding money, um, well, we can talk about that later. But uh, but campaigning has been, you know, it's uh, I, I just one of the takeaways from last time, and one of the reasons, one of the, my sort of the way that I campaigned last time, um, and I'm campaigning this time essentially. For a variety of reasons, is um, I am I'm using technology. Frankly, you know, I'm not doing a lot of uh, meet and greets and house parties and stuff like that. In addition to which, I'm not seeking or accepting any contributions at all. I'm 100% self-funded in the primary, so it's it saves me a lot of time and energy. You know, pounding the dialing for dollars and all that kind of stuff. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it's not a lot of uh, because of I'm sort of trying to manage my time properly, and I'm using stuff like this. The fact that we're on the phone, podcasts and interviews and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's typically what I what I've been doing. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about some of your particular proposals, like the no parachute candidate proposal and uh, term limits package. Sure. Obviously, it's directly applicable to uh, your district. What with Tom McClintock living in what Oak Grove outside? Seven yeah, Arizona? I mean, like it's just it just it offends me, you know. Just I forget me being a candidate. It offends me as a resident. It's like 
you know, our representative is, is in theory, excuse me, our representative uh, is supposed to represent our interests in Congress. And he doesn't even live here. It's like, so that offends me. Um, how is a person who doesn't even live here and has never lived here supposed to, you know, you, you get it. A, B, yeah. plus... He's said, you know, he's he's gotten shit about this since jump, right? So he's been on a rep since 2009, 2009 and um, and he said, yeah, you know, I'm underwater on this house, so I'm not gonna. So once the the market returns, then I'll sell it or whatever the hell he said. It's bullshit. So um, so that just bothers me a lot. And just put a pin in that for a second. So so this woman named Bryn Kennedy, this Democrat, who has never, as I understand it, even set foot in this district before, gets on a plane and flies in here strictly to run for office, to represent us, which is so offensive to me. I mean, in addition to which, well, let me leave that for a minute, but it's it's. It, it makes it very plain to me that she's using this as an opportunity. It's not that she cares. It's not that she she doesn't care about us and this and you know fighting for this district and what we need and so on. It's just a business opportunity for her essentially, and that really bothers me. So yeah, that is one of my um, proposals. Uh, I'm gonna if. When elected, I'll sponsor a bill which says that no sitting congressperson can represent a district in which they do not currently reside. And nobody can try to be a, a congressperson uh, in an area where they haven't been a legal resident for at least a year prior to running. Because it's it's just, uh, I mean, it's just like, duh, I can't even believe they, they do it. I think there actually is a law on the books in, in the state legislature in California about you can't you can't do that. But it needs to be federal. Right, you have to live in your district, but it's not a national thing, right. unfortunately. Like, I think, for reference, like, uh, Brian Stile in Wisconsin's first was uh, elected probably without even fulfilling that that uh, part. I don't think he lived in the district barely a few months before. Yeah, he it's like, and, and in addition to which, just from a strategic point of view, you know, part of the thing that I have to, the, the case that I try to make to people is, whether you agree with my policies more or Bryn's policies more, forget that. You know, let's just say all things being generally equal, like you'd rather that it was either me or Bryn replacing Tom. Let's just think about who has a better shot at beating Tom in a general head-to-head election. Just think, think about it strategically. And the biggest knock against Tom is he's not from here. So... I can say to him in a debate in the general election, hey, man, you've never even lived here for eight years, for free, you know, since you've been a rep for 11 years. I've lived here for eight years. I moved here eight years ago because I fell in love with the place and I wanted to make it my home. I didn't move here as a, you know, as a, as a, um, as, thank you. Yes. So that, so I can say that to him if I'm debating Tom. She can't say that to him because what's he going to say? He's going to say, you just got on a plane and came here to rent a house, you know, eight months ago. 
to run for office. So, and you're probably on the first plane out. So, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, period. It's, yeah, it's a difficult case to make to anybody. Yeah, for her it is, for, not for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, any constituent of the district should just look at I would that think as so, but, you know, I, the the battle that I have fought and continue to fight and uh, and have, I have slowly learned not even to waste my time trying to convince people is uh, there are definitely no shortage of Democrats, registered Democrats, who are just like, whoever the Democratic candidate is, that's it for me. That's all I care about. Vote blue no matter who and all that stuff. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you know, like basically, in my opinion, basically what you're doing is you're giving, if you vote blue no matter who, you're essentially voting for Tom or, you know, it's, it's idiotic. Right. You're just giving up your own sovereignty, basically. Right. Right. Point of view. There's no sense in chasing that. Or spending money chasing that vote. Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Okay. Um, well, let's uh, talk about that no contributions sure. policy. Public. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a very moral stance, but uh, is there anything in particular that pushed you towards A bunch it? of things. Um, you know, in no particular order... Um, I don't believe that um, money should be a a barometer of the viability of a campaign um, in theory. And frankly, in practice, I don't necessarily believe that it is, right? Because if it were, Hillary Clinton, who spent one point however many billion dollars, would be president. Or in the case of, for example, in my race in 2018... Um, the uh, Jessica Morris spent four million dollars, right, and she lost. So, um, and this other that other woman I mentioned, uh, Regina Bateson, she spent eight hundred thousand dollars in the twenty eighteen primary. I believe this these these all this is correct. She spent about eight hundred k in the uh, primary, right, and she was in the race for a year and change and whatever. Um, I was in the race for um, uh, three months, and I spent about uh, I don't know two grand, something like that. I was yeah, something was really something like that, and um, oh, way better voter. Vote right, so like I got about five thousand votes. She got about twenty five thousand votes. She spent thirty bucks a vote. I spent fifty cents a vote. Right, um, so I don't think you need to spend a lot of money basically, uh, necessarily. I think it's about, you know, resource management and that kind of stuff. Um, right, having the right ideas. Yeah, in addition to which, I just don't like the idea of it, uh, of um, um, a couple of things. I, I'm not the guy, I just don't like the idea of asking people for money. I'd rather, you know, for a variety of reasons, including... Um, I just don't like doing it. It's I don't like being beholden to people, right? And and I'm kind of just like, yeah, I don't, you know. I used to work on Wall Street for a while, and um, early on, I was a you know, I was a stockbroker, and I hmm. sort of took the view like, you know, you pitch a stock and you should buy the stock, and here's why, and 
when people were like, nah, you know, I'm not, you can't just give up right away and that kind of stuff. But if I really believed in something, really believed in a stock or a business, or whatever, and somebody else didn't, I'm like, okay, bye. You know, like, fuck off. <laughs> really, like, you know what I mean? So I don't want to have to try to... Uh, I'm making it very... Um, yeah, so kind of. It's kind of... I mean, I get it, right? But, but I also wanted to... It's... I feel like... I don't want there to be any question why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this. Um, I'm not, or I'm not saying what I'm saying because I want your money. You know, I'm doing this because this is what I believe in and will fight for because I think it's correct. So come on board or get out of the way. But I'm not saying this and believing this and fighting for this for any other reason than this is what, you know, this is important to me. Uh, so there's that. In addition to which... You know, it's it's just it's my time and energy is very very valuable, um, and so I can spend a lot of it uh, raising trying to raise money. So and uh, and that's I'm not willing to do that. Um, and another thing is, um, yeah, there there are a bunch of reasons and stuff like that. But uh, but I think that um, that covers it. Hmm. Actually, um, well, actually, I'm so good. sorry. I just wanted to add this because I, I was just sending out an email and I just want to make this clear to people. So, um, so a couple of things. Um, I am not do- in the primary. I am, I am not seeking or accepting any money from anywhere. Um, I will never, ever, even in the general election, accept money from PACs, super PACs, dark money, lobbyists, Industries that I think suck, all the rest of that stuff. You know, people that work in those industries, that kind of thing. Um, and it, of course, when I'm in office, same thing. Um, yeah, period. But that being said, I will absolutely, what I say to people essentially boils down to this I'm not asking for money, I'm not soliciting or accepting any contributions in the primary. Believe me, on March 4th, the day after the primary, if I'm in the general against Tom, you're going to get a call from me, no question about it. Um, yeah, so I certainly will be, and it will be coming from civilians, people, not high dollar, you know, all that kind of stuff. Bryn Kennedy has taken, right. she's put 1% of her own money, she's raised uh, quite a bit of money, and 1% of her, she's a multimillionaire, 1% of it came from her, from herself. Um, another 99% came from outside of, from not, not from her. A. B. Right. Not only that, in terms of in-district, out-of-district, well over 80% of her money came from outside the district, which naturally begs the question, like, why, are, why is that happening? Like, you know what I mean? So there's all that kind of stuff, too, yeah. Right, <laughs> So is the district up for sale? I assume. Not. I'm sorry. Say it again. Is the district up yeah, for sale? Like, I it assume just, not, it just, it, you know, I guess for me, it makes me say, let me, let me just think about this for a second. This woman never lived here before. She flew in here from Massachusetts just to run for office. She's getting almost all of her money from outside the district. Most of it, I think, over ninety percent of it from high dollar people. You know, um, I think six five percent of it or something was 
under two hundred dollars, um, and um, and yeah, what's the, what's why is she doing this? Like, what's does she really care? It, it it naturally makes me very skeptical when she tweets or whatever she talks about, uh, or she does these you know videos and you know commercials, and she says, you know, I'm, I'm I grew up in a town like this, and you know when the campfire happened, she said we. You know, we came together as a community. I'm like, what do you mean we? You weren't even here. Like, what? so, so all that kind of stuff makes me call bullshit, frankly. And um, and I'm not just saying this as as a candidate, and she's my opponent. This is this is me talking as a resident here. I'm like, yeah, I don't. This doesn't feel appropriate to me. So, yeah. Right. I can't imagine there are that many multimillionaires and. That unpopulated a district right. one. Like, how representative yeah, is that? Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were asking something else. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about your experience in media as a writer sure. and filmmaker. Uh, how do you think that's going to inform not only your campaign, but potentially your term in office as a congressperson? <laughs> like, mostly we think of lo- congresspeople as being lawyers and. L- you know, political professionals, but not somebody from like you know the arts. Yeah, interesting. Sure, I, I think um, I think it's since you put it that way, um, it's a it's a it's a good question, and um, and I think that's a good thing. It sounds like a good thing to me. I mean, you know, do we need more lawyers uh, in Congress or politicians? Tom McClintock's a life, literally a lifelong politician. I don't think he's ever held any other job in his entire life. Um, well, he was chief of staff to a politician. Yeah, I mean, that's technically, a, I guess he, yeah, he's like a junior politician or a politician's assistant. But, <laughs> yeah, so he's been in politics his whole life. But to the, to your question, I think we need more uh, creative people, you know, non-lawyers. Just as you said, the, the, the House of Representatives is called the House of Representatives, Right, or they're supposed to represent the districts that they are, you know, empowered to represent, and um, and there, are, you know, this isn't just a uh, a district filled with lawyers. I can tell you that much, or you know, politicians. So, I think it would be cool to um, to have look at AOC. I mean, I keep coming back to her. She's a great example. She was she was a volunteer for the Sanders campaign as I understand it and she did you know community organizing and stuff like that but she was a bartender that was her job does that make her any less um, qualified to right so you know I, th- I would argue it makes her more qualified because she's ha- she had a normal job she had to deal with you know health care issues and the kind of stuff that all of us have to deal with you know who aren't politicians or lawyers For more important sorry Right. More importantly, she had to listen to a lot of people in the course. Of yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yeah, it's good to have you know the view of those the rest of the other sixty seven percent of people. Exactly. Um, well, I that's the end of my questions. Do you have anything else you want to leave it off with? Uh, I just I hope everybody gets out there and votes uh, across the country, not just. You know, in my district, but everybody votes. Um, and I would say, I, I would really hope that I, I got to believe if somebody's listening to this podcast, they're probably pretty well informed or trying to be. 
So I always try to encourage people to really inform themselves about who is in, who's running, right? Because um, it doesn't just have to be like, wow, they're all terrible or, you know, there are actually a lot of, and I have encountered and I've become acquainted with a lot of really, really cool candidates all over the country since I've been running. Um, and, um, and yeah, so I would encourage everybody to familiarize yourself with who your candidate is and support them in any way, even if it just means, you know, you don't have to knock on doors or make calls or give money or whatever. Just, uh, you know, retweet them on social media or that kind of stuff. That it, It's really... Um, and to that point, one last thing is I... Um, it's very frustrating sometimes dealing with, you know, the stuff you have to deal with. Um, and again, it's typically the stuff that I have to deal with is a lot of, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. But once in a while, when I hear from someone, uh, somebody sends me an email or whatever it is, or it's, you know, they say, you know, I really support you, I'm behind you, and it's, it, I can't tell you how encouraging it is, and it, it, it really makes you feel good, makes me feel good. So, um, so if you're listening to this, and uh, wherever you live, find out who's in the race, and if there's somebody that you like, whoever that is, um, support him or her, uh, support them, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Rob, Rob, for coming on the podcast. Pleasure.